Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. Delighted to be with you today as we are sharing the secrets of investing in the Smoky Mountains. Leslie Ann Morris, originally from California, began her Smoky Mountain investing journey while living in Los Angeles. Leslie had been a commercial banker for over 20 years and wanted to begin building true wealth. From the minute she closed on her first investment cabin, she knew she had made the right choice. The cabin was an overnight success. The cash flow she made from her first investment allowed her to quickly scale her portfolio, and today she has 10 short-term rentals. Leslie fell in love with Tennessee, and she moved there in 2020. Leslie, share with us a memorable experience that may have helped you to be who you are today. Sure, yeah. (laughs) I anticipated this question, so I kind of was brainstorming a little bit, but I've been talking a lot about monopoly lately as it relates to my real estate investing journey. So I just remember as a little girl, this was before I was a banker, before I was an investor, but I loved the game of monopoly. One thing I loved about it was just the variety of colors. It's so fun and colorful. But then the other thing I loved about it was getting so many different monopolies in a row. And then every time somebody would land on them, they had to pay you rent. And it was like, ha ha. And you know, one of those moments. So, and I always had to be the banker. So I think those two things really lent themselves to me, you know, having my career in banking. And then also to me, you know, even in the Smokies, I have cabins next door to one another. I have one where I'm building next door to one I own, and that's in multiple spots. So kind of in a theme throughout my life. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, Leslie, talk to us about creating a passive income stream and how it is that we find the who to get started uh, in real estate investing. Yeah, I mean, I started this journey while working, you know, the corporate, your typical corporate job. And At that point in time, I was really hands-on self-managing. And as that became more and more work, as I scaled the number of units that I owned, I realized that that really wasn't a way to scale. I didn't know how I was going to 10x or even 100x what I was doing. So I came up with a strategy to form what I'm doing into a company. I have two companies, one's for property acquisition, one's for property management, that allowed me to become that passive investor. And that's really what I do a lot of speaking about today. Finding that who is so important, you really want to have a strategy so that you yourself aren't wearing all the hats, even though, you know, that might mean that you make, you know, a windfall of money in the short term, because as you're wearing short-term rentals, the margins are a lot better. So you can make money pretty quickly. But when you do hire a property manager, that cuts into your margins. So it's, you know, just remembering that your time is valuable and making sure that you value your time above all else. Well, you started out in the Smoky Mountains of Eastern Tennessee while you were living in Los Angeles. Why did you select the Smoky Mountains? Yeah, it just happened like kind of randomly. I knew nothing about Tennessee other than the fact that Justin Timberlake was from Tennessee. <laughs> that is all I knew. But I had like a true love affair for the cabin aesthetic. I had traveled all over the world. I say in a past life, I just, I don't do that much traveling anymore. I might travel a lot now to do 
public speaking and things like this. But I was originally looking at a different market and I was not looking at short-term rentals. I was looking at long-term single family. Um, and I had a deal that kind of just like blew up overnight. Uh, the seller decided not to sell. So I went back to the drawing board and I started Googling, you know, different things like I was looking at like how to buy a property cash, just applying markets that had low price per square foot, you know, so low inch, low barrier of entry to get into the market. Being in LA, it was really hard to buy property there. It was very expensive. So I knew I wasn't going to be doing it in California. And I came upon a list that Airbnb puts out each year. Um, it's their top five markets based on performance for prior year. And just noticed, you know, when I was doing the research that three of those markets were all in Eastern Tennessee in a very small, you know, particular area. So then I started to research from there. Um, I went into the Bigger Pockets forums and started self-educating about all things short-term rental and Smoky Mountains. And then I kind of just went on Zillow and found that first cabin that I ended up buying. So it was very exciting. Well, what is the the current market like in terms of uh, short-term rental, particularly in the Smoky Mountain area? Still a good time to buy, I tell everyone. I deal with buyers out of state. Almost daily, I'm talking to somebody um, or my team's talking to somebody. I think it is, you know, people say, oh, is it saturated? Well, sure. You know, that's all that market is known for. I mean, I would say that it's like it's almost 100% tourism based there. So people are coming there for tourism and the people that live and work there are in tourism. So with that, of course, that means, you know, every almost every property that's there is a short term rental. Not all of them, but, but the majority. So... You really need to think about, you know, when you're getting into a market like that, you know, where it's really regulation friendly, it is a vacation market, but you want to think about how to differentiate yourself and your strategy so that you stand out amongst, you know, everyone else that's doing the same thing. So we talk a lot with investors about, you know, making sure you buy a certain type of property where most of the tourists would be interested in it. Don't buy something that, you know, is so unique that, or, or, you know, I mean, you can do what, whatever strategy you want, but I just try to cater to the masses. I try to make sure that I have the, you know, main amenities that people are searching for, which is like, you know, a cabin either in the beautiful wilderness or with some sort of mountain view with a hot tub, with a pool table and some sort of maybe, um, special amenity. Like I have one that has like a foosball table and then had another one that's decked out with like whiskey barrels. It just gives you that like immersive experience when you're staying. So I think that's just part of the importance of when you're looking at a market that is saturated, that you're differentiating yourself and standing out. So is that in the the Gatlinburg, the Dollywood area? And yeah, yeah, we're in Gatlinburg, Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, and then there's a little lesser known area called Townsend, which is by the entrance to Cades Cove, if you're familiar with the uh, park areas. Okay, so get into the passive aspect of this and talk to us about the who, what, why, and the how of investing in passive short-term rentals. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually writing a book right now on the strategy. I'm writing like a playbook, basically. Uh, Targeting not just new investors, but investors that are in other asset class and why they should pay attention to this and how they can do it to scale. Um, but I think some of those really early on important things are to, you know, do your market research, find a market that works for you. And Smoky Mountains are not for everyone. You might be more interested maybe in a beach market or maybe even just a non-vacation market. It's, you know, this is doable in all markets if you do it correctly. But in saying that, it's very important to have the who, so your team, 
you know, you're going to need your lender, you're going to need your agent, you're going to need boots on the ground if you really do want to self-manage. Again, we don't recommend that. We recommend getting a knowledgeable property manager who's, you know, doing, you know, marketing, marketing Google. We do a lot of Google pay-per-click. We're forming relationships with like the visitor bureaus and the different city ordinances that are around that are supporting the tourism industry and other small businesses. So you just want to find the right team that you know, knows their stuff that's in that market that are, you know, proof is in the pudding. If they have the performance and the know-how, then that's really where you want to head with this passive strategy. So is this, are there syndications available in this kind of uh, investment? Yeah, I'm not doing anything like that today. I do get approached quite often to do some sort of joint venture or some sort of um, syndication. That's not, it could be on my timeline in the future. Currently it isn't, but I do know that there are other markets where people are exploring that sort of thing and doing it. I would say the strategy that I've come up with that allows, you know, somebody to contact me and my companies and we can help you acquire a property. We can help you then manage that property. And then if you ever want to sell it, we can help you sell the property. So it's really like a cradle to grave situation and you hold all the ownership and get all the tax benefits. We really make it a hands-off experience. You know, you're going to be required to work with your lender to get your lending and get your insurance set up, get your utilities set up. But we even have companies that we work with that can furnish them. Most of them will come turnkey, but sometimes that's not always the case. But yeah, I just, you know, there's a lot of different things that we're doing to really help people be passive in the business. Well, there is a saying in real estate that you make your money when you buy and collect it, of course, when uh, you sell. But talk to us about uh, the underwriting uh, matrix. And how do you go about underwriting a property? Yeah, well, I have a pretty strong background in commercial underwriting. And it's pretty, it's funny because when I first got into this, I made a lot of emotional decisions. I wasn't doing credit underwriting. I just kind of said, you know, the mortgage is X and I think I can make Y and cool, I'm going to give it a shot. Now I have some more strenuous, you know, we don't apply any sort of cap rate or anything because these are single family homes, but I am looking at cash on cash and net operating income, really looking at the year one. Year one is so important because we're buying, you know, depending on your strategy, everybody has a different strategy. Some are looking at market appreciation and exit, but I'm looking at a long-term buy and hold. So in that case, I am looking for ROI in, in year one, and I'm looking for a benchmark of 20%. I would say my early deals after I, you know, after I scaled, scaled and I started doing the underwriting um, a little more seriously, and, and realizing that, hey, this isn't just a hobby. This is this is my passion now. I realized that my early deals were upwards of 60% cash on cash. So I got in at an amazing time. But yeah, so basically just in a nutshell, I'll look at, you know, what's the gross rent that I think it can make? And there's a lot of different ways to get gross rental numbers. Uh, one of the easiest ways is to just do a search as if you're the guest on Airbnb and look at what your competitors are charging. Now, keep in mind, some of them may be poorly managed. They may be undercharging. So ask an expert, you know, someone like me who's been in the industry that that owns the companies. And once you plug that number in, you could easily plug in all the expenses, things that you might not know about, utility numbers. You can definitely ask your agent or folks in that area. Maybe even the seller can give you the financial information on that. And then you come up with your net operating income. And you're taking a calculation based on that number coupled with your total year one cash out of pocket. So everything from your down payment, your closing costs to any potential rehab or furniture you're going to need to buy, um, not your mortgage, just your cash out of your pocket. 
so that's kind of what I'm looking at today. Um, I had a deal that I backed out of recently that, you know, the property ended up having some foundational issues, unfortunately. That one would have been around 35% cash on cash. The one that I mine instead of that one is about 21, 22%, I believe. Uh, so right in that sweet spot of where I look to target. And, you know, net operating income wise on these properties, I'm looking anywhere from like 30 to 35 grand after everything's said and done for the year. So, so they're wise investments. And, you know, because I have so many that I personally own in the market, it, at this point, it's just plug and play. You know, just repeat the strategy, if you will. What do you, what do your expenses typically run? Yeah, it depends on, you know, how many um, people the cabin sleeps. It's quite low. I mean, Tennessee, so when you, when you look at like real estate taxes, Tennessee is very low on, on taxes. But when I look at like your true like operating expenses, uh, you're typically going to see your utilities. You're going to see, you know, you got to do Wi-Fi. Guests will lose their mind if they don't get their Wi-Fi for their streaming. And then, you know, depending if it's on a well or not, you might have some sort of maintenance cost with that well each month. I do have one that's got some issues with the well where we where we do have to truck in water, unfortunately. So that's pretty large expense. But I would say, you know, on my cabins that are really cooking along, I mean, like monthly expenses, you know, outside of the mortgage, tax and insurance, just those operating costs could be five fifty a month. And month. then you're looking, you know, based on what your interest rate is, based on how much you put down, that could really swing your your mortgage payment. So, you know, it yeah. really is so investor dependent. I get a lot of calls. I'm really active on bigger pockets and some other platforms where there's newer investors. And I get calls all the time like, okay, if I buy a cabin for 750000 how much am I going to make? And there's no <laughs> just like, I can't tell you. Um, we would have to sit down and do your underwriting. You know, I don't do underwriting for clients, but I uh, empower them to learn, give them resources and help them check their work. You know, I always tell my clients, I say, you know, I might not always be here doing this and you might want to continue. So learn, be empowered and learn as much as you can. And that's, you know, really how I got to where I'm at is just putting your hand up and asking the questions and just keep doing it until you get it right. How often, so how, how long have you been doing this, uh, Leslie Ann? Yeah, I, not very long. Um, but, so I did, I, you know, about 22 years of banking and uh -huh. commercial banking specifically on the credit side. And then after, I would say probably 12 years ago, I started buying real estate, but this was primarily just my own house. I had a strategy in the early years where I would buy my home in a great area, but it needed a lot of work. And I would like do a live in flip. And so then uh -huh. in two years, I would sell it and get another one. I did that several times, but the short term rental I've been doing for about three and a half to four years now. It's been a really, really fast ride. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, what I was wondering is what is the expected life of, uh, of furnishings? furnishings uh, in a short-term rental. Yeah. Um, so in banking, if we're going to underwrite a deal and it's heavy on furnishings, you know, we're, our advance rate on lending on something like that is like half, you know, 50%. And we're looking oh. at five to seven years, typically five. Mm -hmm. um, I would say in the short-term rental space, a lot of my cabins were built in the early 2000s. So 2003, 2007, and they're all just starting to need, you know, flooring. Uh -huh. You know, we're looking at things like flooring. We're looking at things like plumbing, upgrading of appliances, furniture, 
typically if I buy some big turkey, I'll go in and sit on the couches and sit on, lay on the beds or whatever. And if it's not comfortable, I'll replace it immediately. If I think it can get a year or two more life, I'll, I'll keep it. I don't try to buy like the top high end of the market, but I also don't go to like Ikea or somewhere to get the furniture. It's like happy medium of like quality furniture that you need to focus on. And so we've partnered with some local furniture companies that have those sorts of items that give us a discount because of our volume. But I would say five years. I'm buying it. I'm in contract to buy another cabin right now that is a brand new build in 2022. And so in my underwriting for that cabin, I've kind of told myself I will need to do any maintenance for five years. So if something could go wrong, of course, you never know. But because it was just built, it's got a builder's warranty. I think I would be okay for five years. Well, real estate in general is uh, a male-dominated industry. And you say that only about 31% of real estate investors are women. What are you doing to change that? Yeah, this is my mission. So I, you know, I talk a lot with colleagues and mentors and they're like, you know, when are you... What's your goal with all this? Are you going to be happy when you have 25 cabins, when you have 50 cabins? What's your, you know, what's your why? Is it for the money? And I, I thought long and hard about that. And I was like, gosh, it's really not. It's more like about the game of Monopoly. So then what's a better mission to kind of layer with that? So I just, you know, I'm really active in some women's groups and been to some women's like real estate conferences. And everybody is just, kind of astonished and shocked that there's not enough women. And one of the statistics says that 90% of all millionaires, multimillionaires, they're created out of real estate. And then that's a pretty big problem when we look at the flip side, when we say, you know, only a third of those investors are women on the real estate side, but that's how all the money being created. So, you know, how do we fix Fair. that problem? There's a big disparity there. So what I've done, you know, and this is, I'm very early stages in this. I just want to create awareness about this being a strategy for women that you can be very successful in as long as you put your hand up and you ask the right questions. So I'm doing a lot of focused talks and going into different conferences and being that woman's voice. Um, I actually have quite a few coming up for 2023. So hopefully you, you all see me out there doing that. But yeah, just creating awareness, mentoring, coaching, and just trying to be that that voice for other women that says, you know, you can do it too. It's not it's not just all men. <laughs> well, good for you, um, Leslie Ann. Well, tell us, Leslie Ann, what you have to offer specifically. You've alluded to some of the things you're doing, but uh, tell us in detail here and let us know how it is we can uh, get in touch with you. Sure. Yeah. I'm really active on Instagram. My handle is at leslie.ann with an E dot Morris. Um, and then my website is leslieann with an E morris.com. And those two platforms will kind of launch you to everything else I'm involved in. But right now I am working on a book that would come out in 2023. I have another top secret project that will come out in 2023. It's very exciting. And then like my day-to-day -day business right now is um, helping investors that want to be passive in short-term rentals create and um, implement a strategy. And how we do that is you know, I do one-on-one -on -one calls about the Smoky Mountain market and make them feel comfortable with that. They could be brand new investors with you know, no lending pre-approval. So we're mentoring and coaching on, you know, what to look for in a lender. 
In fact, we can refer you to a lender. And then once they get the pre-approval, you know, hand-holding and making sure they're comfortable with their purchase and walking them through the entire thing. I do have clients that do decide that they don't want to be passive investors. They want to just get the experience and do the self-managing for themselves. I'm happy to help you do that. It isn't difficult. It's just time-consuming. And then... You know, if you don't want to do that, then obviously we can manage that for you. My companies are called Invest in the Smoky Mountains. So investinsmokymountains.com. And then I own Josh's Cabin. And that's joshescabins.com. Or, you know, if you're looking, if you own a cabin and you're looking for property management, it's join.joshescabins.com. And join.joshescabinsmanagement.com. It's a little wordy. But you can get all this from my Instagram. And then Josh is on our guest side. So he is our super host with the most. And he is talking to the guests. He's dealing with the vendors. And everybody absolutely loves him. We run it like a concierge service. So it's a, it's a very fun business. Well, Leslie Ann, what has been your most uh, difficult setback since you have gotten into uh, the short-term rental industry? Oh, gosh. I think... You know, you need to learn by doing. And so that means, you know, sometimes learning is a lesson. And that means that maybe it was potentially a negative thing that happened. I did buy in the Smoky Mountain Market two houses in Pigeon Forge. I think I will sell in 2023. Now they are performing short-term rentals. They do make money. They're on the trolley stop. They're not on mountains. They don't look like cabins. They're just houses. So for me, though, like my strategy is so cabin focused. I mean, the brand is called Josh's Cabins. So in hindsight, I wish that I wouldn't have jumped into there and I would have just put the money elsewhere. So that was a learning lesson for me. I don't think it set me back. Uh, It just helped me understand, you know, the value of everything I'm preaching today. Right. You know, buy a cabin. People want Hung and groove, beautiful cabins. Yeah, they just have a certain ambiance that regular stick-built houses will just never have. It's, right. uh, it's kind exactly. of a different thing there. Are those the only two homes you have in Pigeon Forge? Yes. Yeah, and Pigeon Forge is is itself not the most interesting place in the world. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, it, though. I mean, we do have cabins that are technically in Pigeon Forge right. that perform amazing. So. You know, it's just yeah. all about learning your strategy and owning it as you go. And that's the beauty of life, constantly learning. Well, enlightened investors, thank you so much for being with us. Be sure to tune in with us next episode. And Leslie Ann, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Alan. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.